welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy Rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock. Pronouns, she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow. Pronouns, she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 7, Episode 2, Beneath You. From beneath you, it devours. <laughs> oh, this episode, Kara. This episode. We felt so good last week with lessons. We're like, maybe Season 7 isn't going to be that bad. And then this episode happens. And how do we feel, Steph? It's not like it's a bad episode, but like so many heavy thoughts, yeah. just, just lots of heavy ranting on my end from my brain as I watch, as I re- wrote up the notes. You'll see down there, Cara, I got a couple of rants coming your way. It's so soap opery. Maybe that's not this episode's fault. It's actually the show because after seven seasons, all the characters sleep slept with each other. There's going to be a lot of soap opera stuff happening. And poor Buffy, poor Buffy in this episode. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Listener, listeners, you won't hear this part because Steph is going to edit it out, but it's the last 30 seconds has just been her pausing <laughs> and then saying yes or yeah for my, you know, quite some time. Is my brain breaking? <laughs> has season oh, six dear. and season seven broken? because all i can do is just sit back and be like yep i feel like i've been broken since where the wild things are Uh, yes i've been broken a lot longer than i know um yeah poor fucking buffy poor buffy okay you know what let's just get into it because we have a lot to say Uh, do do you have an alternate title uh no i mean i want to call it consequences but we already have an episode called consequences and i think mm. i already called an, another episode in season six consequences part two <laughs> so this will be the end of the trilogy consequences part three because <laughs> so many of these characters did something shitty in the last season and this episode brings them all up to the surface again and again it's not buffy's fault none of this is buffy's fault poor buffy what about you um in honor of spike and his behavior in this episode uh, I'd like to call this episode not changed after all. <laughs> uh, and jumping on that, piggybacking off what you just said, I'm going to call this episode No Scrubs. Mm. Uh, we got in this episode the, the longest previously on Buffy I've ever seen in my entire life. Like they basically recapped all of season six. <laughs> Most of it being... The spuffy nonsense of, you know, we're going to sleep together. Uh, tell me you love me. I love you. And then I'm using you. We're breaking up. And then the rape. And then him taking off and getting a soul. And him coming back in le- in lessons. And then also some of Anya and Xander stuff. Like, I was just like, come on. Like, we know. It's season seven. <laughs> Let's get to it. And get to what we do, Kara. We are in Frankfurt, Germany. And I will be honest. I've never been to Germany. I've always wanted to go. 
I just think it looks like a beautiful country. So there's a punk rock chick. Shout out to our German listeners. Yeah, invite us over. <laughs> this punk rock princess is running from two robed men a la lessons, like, like at the beginning of the last episode. These guys get around. Seriously. So clearly, you know, that last one was in Istanbul. Istanbul. This one's in Germany. So this is not just happening in one spot. This is all over the world. We're getting the feeling of uh, this girl's at a techno rave, by the way, like she's at I thought it was an office building, but there's a rave happening down below. Uh, she gets into a fight with these guys and she eventually gets stabbed to death by yeah. these men. So that was my first thought as I was watching was this season appears to be a trend of we're going to start every episode with a random woman being stabbed to death by men. That's a choice. Hmm. That's that's a choice. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> if if last season didn't already trample over us with all of its misogyny, this would probably be a lot more shocking to me. But I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, they would show this. Yeah, that's two ups in a row. Two young women brutally stabbed by robed men. What's going on? So before she dies, this girl turns to the camera and says, from beneath you, it devours. And Buffy wakes up screaming in her bed. Dawn is beside her and Buffy says, there was a girl. And Dawn's like, it was just a dream. It was just a dream, right? Prophecy dream. Dawn, Buffy doesn't just dream. She dreams important things. And Buffy says, from beneath you, it devours. That's what she said. And then they... There's more out there, Dawn, out there somewhere. And she looks out the window and she says, they're all going to die. So we cut to Sunnydale streets and we hear a rumbling. And then we see this giant mole tunnel <laughs> uh, go through the street uh, moving fast. Okay. M cut to credits. Back in the school's basement, Spike is still insane. He still has his ramen head. He's stalking a rat as he's like talking to himself. He's like, now it's not the time. You know it. I know it. Making them understand is a totally different matter. And then the tre the tremors start rumbling in the basement walls and Spike starts losing it. He's like begging it to stop. He's covering his ears with his hands and he screams. So got to Dawn in the car with Xander and Buffy and she's saying, could you die? Speaking for everybody who is me in the car right now, we're very excited. It's just so cool. You're coming to school with me. You'll be there the whole time. You understand you cannot talk to me, look at me or hang out with my friends, right? <laughs> I, lo I love the way that she pivots from excited to like, wait. Dawn is amazing in this episode, by the way. Agreed. Buffy says... I doubt we'll ever see each other, seeing as I even half understand my fuzzy job description. And Don's like, well, you're what, dealing with troubled kids? And Xander says, at a spanking new Hellmouth High, outside of drugs, violence, and unwanted pregnancy, and unleashing of hordes of Armageddon that comes pouring out of the school's foundation now and then, what trouble could these kids have? They're damn lucky having a slayer and a friend on campus for them. I hope they appreciate it. I know I did. And is this sweetness? <laughs> Oh, Steph, Stephanie, 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 you are, you have, you're not rusty. Uh, no, this is, he's laying this on thick. What did Xander do that we didn't see that he now has to like gas Buffy up? I, I, I did. I found that quote sweet. <laughs> you are going soft on Xander this season. I just, I just, there's just so much to hate. <laughs> 
<laughs> that when I get something that's not as hateful, I guess I'm just going to let it go. Because you know what? I, I think what I thought was sweet about it was that he brought Dawn into it. He could have just been talking to Buffy and said, they're lucky to the Slayers on campus. But he said, and a friend, right? They've got, they've got the Slayer and they've got Dawn. And that's, that's really sweet. So Don says, I thought you hated Sunnydale. And Xander says, yes, then no, then emphasis on the yes. But at least then I was dating. I don't know what's not clicking with me right now. And Buffy brings up leaving Anya at the altar. And she's like, it's not, it's not something you just bounce back from. Xander says, she bounced back to being a vengeance demon. And I bounced back to being a dateless nerd. And Don asks um, if they talk. Xander says, he's seen her at the bronze a couple times. Guess there's a lot of scorned women there making vengeance wishes on their exes. And Buffy's like, that's where I go to get my scorn on. <laughs> so my question to you, Kara, is isn't it fascinating that they're not worried or concerned with Anya doing her work here in Sunnydale at the bronze? We said last episode, Anya doesn't need to be in Sunnydale anymore. The magic shop is gone. So why does she stay in Sunnydale, number one? But number two, shouldn't Buffy be slaying <laughs> and stopping this? That is a valid point. Um, and once again, it's one rule for all of the Scooby-affiliated demons and a different mm -hmm. rule for all the other demons. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know how to justify it. Like, yeah. Do they think Anya is only doing, like, fun vengeance against women? <laughs> like, I think we need to remember that the first time we met Anya, she caused or helped cordelia wish an entire alternate universe into existence she's dangerous and we saw last season how freck did a curse on them and kept them in that house but they're like she's spending a lot of time at the bronze that's fine that's fine it's fine she's just she's just doing her work which she's low-key about as it. we see in this episode it's not fine it's nothing is fine you guys are way too laissez-faire about it the scoobies should be waging war on the vengeance demons at this point but they're not so dawn says you guys need to ease up on the on the dating demons thing and buffy's like hello i'm sorry wasn't that you having the smoochathon with teen vampire last halloween <laughs> and dawn says this is why i don't want you talking to my friends so this okay this episode here's my first mini rant and i'll have more to say later this episode does a lot of revisionist history when it comes to buffy and spike uh right here obviously dawn refers to dating demons uh she could have just been talking about angel but this whole episode's about spike so we know that th that they're we're gonna wrap spike up into what they call buffy's ex and again, I have more to say about this in a little bit, but um, stop, <laughs> stop referring to Spike as Buffy's ex-boyfriend that had this huge impact on her heart <laughs> because it's not the case. Uh, more to come. So yummy, delicious Principal Wood, Principal Robin Wood. Do I need to, do I need to give you a moment before we get into the scene? Do you just, you, you're allowed. Do you want to crush on Principal Wood for a couple seconds here? Why is his last name Wood? <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> How much wood would Woodchuck Chuck? <laughs> Are you the Woodchuck in this situation? <laughs> yes. So, so Principal Wood is showing Buffy to her mentoring cubicle and saying how he hopes the kids will start coming to her on their own. I hope that he comes to me on his own. <laughs> principal Wood is such a good principal. So 
She says she's the youngest and least stuffy member of the faculty. And when the students come to talk to her, don't evaluate, just listen. Like he's giving her advice. He's like, they need to feel that there's someone around here who understands them. And Buffy says, can I gift attention? <laughs> and that's an important question, Buffy. And Robin says, fine by me. A little authority could be a wonderful thing. Just remember while you are here to help, you are not here to be their friend. Trust me, you open that door and these students will eat you alive. And Buffy says the best joke of the episode. She says, oh, you heard about Principal Flutie, right? <laughs> okay, so this is like, what? Is this the next day? Is this a week later? Like, Buffy needs to get a criminal record check at the very least before she can start working at this high school. I disagree. I think she went the Xander route, and they're just like, hey, <laughs> you came here today. Do you want to work here? sorry you're right i forgot this is an american high school so probably the rules are very different and more lax versus canadian high schools i mean you know what xander's right these kids are so fucking lucky that buffy got this job at this high school can you imagine going to high school in a hellmouth but like oh the slayer works here too it's like that's just nice it's just nice so the bell rings and Robin is like, he makes a bad joke um, about a bestinata and Buffy doesn't laugh at the joke, but she does say that she knows what he's talking about because it's a type of weapon. And let's not forget that Buffy's a weapons expert. Okay. But she's also dropping hints here um, that she knows. This well, stuff. I was going to ask you, is it sexy that Buffy knows about obscure torture weapons? Absolutely. It's sexy <sighs> that they both know about them and that they're, Talking something they have in common there. something they have in common uh to have something in common with principal wood so uh buffy says she's curious you know why did i get the job she hasn't finished college is she's like is it my sparkling personality or maybe you enjoyed my work at the double meat palace <laughs> and robin says he's a vegetarian <laughs> well coincidentally principal wood that's what the double meat secret is remember right? it's the secret <laughs> ingredient is that there is no meat so he says the students need someone who understands them. I, I need someone who understands these students. Is there something about you that I don't know that maybe I should? And Buffy's like, nothing I can think of. So he, he goes to his office to work for the day. And Buffy says she'll have a look around to get to know the place. Make sure it's all school-like. But of course, she goes straight to the basement to see if Spike is there, but he's not. Uh, let's cut to Westbury, England. <laughs> Giles is approaching Willow, who's just kind of like sitting forlornly, staring out. Across the landscape um and I, I i don't know if it was the buffy wiki or something stuff i was looking at the other day and um i found out that the set they used for this house is actually anthony stewart head's farm <gasps> so they're actually in england number one and number two they're yeah, visiting and his the, farm. the horse that they the horse that he was riding last episode the horsey yeah uh was his horse oh that's so sexy <laughs> I'm really glad that season seven is starting with you getting to appreciate so many attractive men. <laughs> oh, I was left. I'm happy for you. Thirsty the last season, but like, look at this: Giles on a horse, Giles in his own Anthony Stewart head's own space, and Robin fucking. Well, uh, well, he's definitely back into dad mode, right? So he's here to kind of counsel Willow. There's a taxi waiting for her. Um, and, and he's like, you know, in, in the most British fashion, you should probably get into it. So Willow's like, I, I don't think I'm done here. And Giles says, that's your fear talking. Also, get out. <laughs> get out, get out, get out. No, he get doesn't out. say that. But it's, it's clear that she's overstayed her welcome. You can only put up with so much Willow. 
So Willow says, yes, my fear is a big, obnoxious blabbermouth. You're the one who keeps telling me to trust my instincts. Shouldn't we be listening? I don't want to go back home so I can screw up again. Why don't I stay? Not forever, but just long enough to make my fear shut up a little bit, maybe. Giles says, well, it's possible. What exactly are you afraid of? And Willow says, for starters, the Hellmouth is getting all rumbly again, and now I know it's got teeth. And are those literal teeth? Because I don't know if I can handle it. And what if I can't handle it? Does that mean I have to be a bigger, badder badass than the source of all badness? What if I give up all this control stuff and go veiny and homicidal again? What if... And Giles puts on his best dad face and he says, they won't take you back? Willow. We could spend another two years here training and practicing and learning to hone your powers and still there would be no way of knowing for sure if the friends you left behind are still your friends. I'd love to guarantee that you'll be welcomed back to Sunnydale with open arms, but I can't. You may not be wanted, but you will be needed. Willow says, that all you got? Giles says, at the moment. Uh, And then they get up and he adds, trust yourself and the others might follow. And then they walk to the cap. Very sweet, Giles. Very nice. Now, I have beef, Kara. I have beef with this episode. I have beef with the season so far. And I have beef with the show in general. Well, unlike Principal Wood, I am not a vegetarian. So please (laughs) give me all your beef. All right. So this is the last we see of Willow this episode, right? We didn't get a lot of her last episode either. This is the last we see of her now. This is the last, I'm assuming, uh, this is the last little bit of that we get of her recovery in Westbury, England, because the rest of this episode is dedicated to Spike, who gets a million times more screen time than Willow, not just this episode, but the episode before as well. So my question is, why? Like, Willow has always been a main character of this show since season one. Spike waltzed his way into the show as a distraction villain until we got to the real big baz of season two, which were Angelus and Drusilla. Why are we dedicating so much time to Spike coming to terms with his attempted rape of our hero Buffy and spending so little time with Willow coming to terms with the death of her girlfriend and the murder of two human beings by her and for her almost successfully ending the world? Like, I get that there's more season to come. So maybe we're going to touch more on this right on more on Willow's recovery later on, but like, come on. Like, I just feel like Willow who was the big bad last season deserves more than this. She doesn't deserve to be robbed of that character development of that character growth, especially if it's been taken from her and the time has been given to spike instead spike the attempted rapist. Okay. So that is my rant about that. I'm going to add one more thing. And it's going to be directly to you, Spike. Spike, notice how Willow is reluctant to return to Sunnydale because she's unsure if she's wanted there, right? She doesn't know if she went too far and the Scoobies won't forgive her. Spike, you could use a little bit of that self-awareness, okay? Like the fact that Willow didn't try to rape Buffy and is like, yeah, like what if I go back? Like I had a fight with her. Like we literally like, you know, threw arms. What if they don't want me back? Like, just, just why, like, why can't you do that too, Spike? Why can't you just step back out of yourself and be like, does Buffy want me back there? Do, like, does she need me back in her life? Like, oh, oh, 
anyway that's my rant really well said i agree with you i mean that's the perils of having a breakout character like spike right it is this is not the only tv show where that happens and the character kind of starts to take over in terms of priority from people who've been with the main cast and i agree with you uh in terms of objecting to that i think you're right but i think it's also possible for people to make the argument that willow is a less interesting character these days and spike is more interesting his journey is deserves more time i i'm not going to make that argument because i don't agree but i guess the writers have some kind of twisted logic um, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't justify it because I, I hinted at this before we got to season seven, especially I think in Willow on Trial. I am very unsatisfied by Willow's whole redemption journey in this part of the season. And maybe I'll change my mind once she gets back to Sunnydale and we see how the Scoobies deal with that. But at this moment, I'm just like, like you said, two brief scenes is all we get of her wringing her hands over the fact that she killed people and now she's just going back to Sunnydale and hoping for the best. It's just, it's weird. I wish Giles were facilitating more. Like does Buffy even know that she's coming back or is she just going to show up? It's not fair to spend an entire season building up her addiction and then skim over the recovery. It's not fair to us. It's not fair to Willow. Maybe Willow and Giles should have gotten their own fucking episode you know just just to see how that's going we could have met the coven that was helping her recover as well and also to mention like that's that's a woman's story on a show that's supposed to be feminist you know like we would see this for willow but instead we're, we're watching spike and i'm not saying that spike's arc this season isn't going to be interesting like perhaps it will be but i just can't it left a really rotten taste in my mouth and like you said you're disappointed with this with for willow um and i'm low-key disgusted that we are going to be spending all this time with Spike and not Willow. It's it's really annoying to me. Yeah. Also, I just realized I missed my opportunity to mention earlier when Buffy goes down to the basement to see Spike, there's a very prominent close-up on the rat that was featured earlier. Um, I think it's the same rat, and I think it might be somebody serving time in rat rehab. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I just, um, I just wanted to point that out for the record because I'm sure other listeners noticed this rat as well. Interesting. So you think that rat rehab, they shouldn't be even in cages. They should be allowed to roam free in basements. I mean, if it's Sunnydale High, like that <laughs> rat, you know. I wonder if Amy's mom's trophy is still there. Yeah. Like, like under did the they rubble. fish it out of the wreckage and put it in the trophy case? Probably. <laughs> so... A girl's walking her cute little dog on the street, complaining about how the dog has to go poo. She should have gotten a cat. Little hot girl walk. (laughs) Yeah, little hot girl after night walk. Girl, this is Sunnydale. I know later she's like, you don't believe that stuff, do you? Uh, Girl, like you are just a lunchable walking around. Um, Suddenly, a hole opens up in the ground. The tremor, the rumblings happen. The dog is pulled inside. The girl's dragged toward the large exit of the hole. Something comes out of it. She runs right into Xander Harris. Uh, Also, rest in peace, puppy. Poor thing. He brings her straight to Buffy's and she's describing what happened to her. And she says she hears things in living in this town here in Sunnydale, but no one actually believes them. You have to be crazy. You guys think I'm crazy, don't you? Buffy says, we've seen these things too, Nancy. And Xander says, we're going to take care of this. It's your lucky night considering your dog just got all ate up and stuff. Hey, can I freshen up your tea? And she's like, no, thanks. And Xander makes that face like, oh. God, I'm such a fool because clearly it's an attractive woman. He really wants to date her. Okay, he's the first attractive woman 
who's not Buffy or Don, uh, that we've seen in this season, right? Like, Xander, is this just like an anything that moves situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's just like, this will do. So Don asks if she saw anything that was like a warning or a sign. Nancy says there was a rumbling just before, like an earthquake. And Buffy's like, from beneath you, it devours. And Don's like, should we round up the gang? And Xander says, good thinking, except we are the gang. Like, this is it. And I was like, damn, that's pretty bleak. It's so true. Like, Tara's gone. Anya's not there anymore. Spike's gone. Like, it's just the three of them. Uh, Giles is gone. So Buffy promises Nancy that they're going to get into this thing. And the only thing she needs is a little. And then suddenly, Spike is in the room. And he says that you need a little help. Fortunately, you got me and he is apparently back to normal his hair is back to his uh bleached blonde look and he's wearing a very tight blue shirt so he's like buffy she says spike (laughs) uh nancy says who's that xander says it's buffy's ex then nancy's like i'm thinking it's a little more complicated than that and xander's like always is he is not her ex what is happening? Why is the show gaslighting me, Kara? I know what I watched. I mean, you are wearing a shirt that's the same color as Spike's shirt right now. <laughs> so? <laughs> Therefore, I gotta believe that he was Buffy's boyfriend? I do not. <laughs> this is my turn to be terrible towards Xander. I think Xander's just trying to simplify things for poor Nancy, uh, who's really been thrown into the deep end here. Like, everybody around her is just kind of like, yeah, demons, monsters, we'll take care of this, Nancy, don't worry. And it's like, she's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> so, fair. Like, I think it's fair that Xander's trying to simplify. But I agree with you. It's it's a weird situation, um, and it ju- it's just going to get weirder the longer this scene goes on. Yeah, and like as the episode goes on, like I'm I'm going to bring it up every time I see it. I'm just like, that's stop, stop acting like he was her boyfriend. <laughs> okay, okay. Buffy says you changed, new clothing, better hair, not so much with the crazy. I like it. What do you want? Spike says if you think I like putting myself here, surrounded by people who don't particularly like me, you'd be wrong. Ah, uh, then what are you doing here, Spike? So Xander says, if you're uncomfortable, we can make you leave. Look at I'm look at I'm just on Xander's side, I guess, this season. Whatever. Spike says, I'll be quick. We need to talk. Want to do that here or privately? And Xander's like, I'm thinking here in the company of good friends and pointy weapons. And Buffy says, You said something about quick. Spike says, Before I start, and for the record, last you saw me, I was a mess. Out of my head, admitted. Last week, living in the school's basement, well, you saw me. And Don's like, You did? You just forgot to mention it. And Buffy's like, things were insane in the basement. I saved your life. We can discuss this later. Don's like, sure. Xander says, whatever you want. Don says, that seems to be the only time that you let us in, Buffy, whenever you want. And Spike says, in fairness to Buffy. And Xander says, shut up, Spike. (laughs) So Buffy says, give us a second. Uh, She takes Spike into the hallway and says, do not start by saying you're sorry. Spike says, I didn't come here to atone. I came to help you. You're the slayer connected to the visions, long line of worthies, right? I'm just a guy with his ear to the ground, but even I can feel it. Something's coming. I don't know what exactly, but something's brewing. Something big, ugly, and damned that makes you and I look like little bitty puzzle pieces. If I'm wrong, say so. No hard feelings. I'll go out the door and you can lock it with whatever spell you like. So, am I wrong? And Buffy says, everything about you is wrong, Spike but something is coming. And Spike says, you're going to need some help. Buffy says, since when did you become a champion of the people? Spike says, I didn't. I'm just a guy who can lend a hand if you'll let me. Balls in your court, Slayer. 
<laughs> oh my god. There's so much going on here. I mean, we've said this before. Spike doesn't have to come back. Like, it's cool. You got a soul now, buddy, which again, Buffy doesn't know this yet. You got a soul you want. He says he's not here to atone. He's here to help. But like, if you really want to be helpful, you can just leave. <laughs> that would be helping. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot more to say about this, like probably by the end of the episode about him fucking just waltzing back in here. Yeah, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. We got a lot more scenes with this, but like, no, I'm with you. Just, just what are you doing here, Spike? Like, why? Why did you think it was okay to just waltz into her living room like this? But Buffy's going with the flow. She says, she goes back to the group and she says, okay, we're going to split up two pairs. This creature's burrowing through solid ground. That means strength and power that we don't usually deal with, but it's something we'll have to get used to now that the Hellmouth is getting all perky. Buffy tells Xander to take Nancy home and Nancy asks Xander if his girlfriend is always so commanding. Xander's like, Buffy? She's a girl and a friend, but she's not my girlfriend. And Dawn's like, Xander, little drool. <laughs> and points to her face. Buffy says, Spike and I will check out the scene. Xander's like, in the biggest way, I am not loving this plan. I'm not loving Spike. He tried to rape you. And Buffy says, he failed. I know I can take him. Take Nancy home. Spike and I will patrol. Okay, so first off, Dawn, thank you so much. I love her doing that to Xander. She's so sassy. She's so good in this episode. She's so good. Secondly, unrelated. I know that Xander saying, like bringing up the rape is for the benefit of anybody who didn't see that episode wasn't there it was in the recap right but like he he has to say that for exposition purposes but in the moment it's like do you think buffy forgot xander do you think you need to say that out loud and remind her that because like buffy knows buffy knows what spike did xander it was very abrupt you know, it was like, I mean, I, I like you said, he has to say it for the audience's sake and for someone to protest, right? And be like, you want to go with him where? Because remember he did this, but you're, it was blunt, <laughs> you know? Um, Don says, I'm command central, so everyone check in with me. Okay, I'll be doing my homework, but that one sounded cooler. <laughs> and then she stops Spike right before he leaves and she says, you sleep, right? You vampires, you sleep. I can't take you in a fight or anything, even with a chip in your head, but you do sleep. If you hurt my sister at all, touch her, you're going to wake up on fire. <laughs> Girl. Donna Summers. Yes. Um, first off, Dawn is totally right. Command Central sounds really cool, and that should be her role in the Scoobies. She should stay behind and coordinate because somebody has to. Mm -hmm. You don't have Willow with her non-consensual telepathy, so you need somebody that they can call into home base and be like, okay, I'm heading to cemetery number six. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so good idea, Don. Secondly, what a hero. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love, love this, and Don, I think you should follow through. <laughs> yes, Don, why don't you slip in there and light him on fire? Would love to see it. Also, this is a shout-out to Tracy, who suggests that we, at some point, call Don Dawn of the Dead, and this is a perfect moment for it, because that is quite the title for what she just said and did. Love it. So, Buffy and Spike are heading to the spot where the dog died, and Spike is saying, Buffy is saying that Buffy's being quiet, and she's like, I wouldn't know what to say. He's like, fine by me. I was more than half expecting to get an earful anyway, and when exactly did your sister get unbelievably scary? And Buffy says, what are you doing? And Spike says, I told you straight up, I'm here to help. And that's it. They find a hole in the ground. 
Spike doesn't want to stick his head in there. And Buffy's like, if something bites it off, then that'll be a clue. <laughs> uh, Spike starts shifting the slabs of sidewalk over while Buffy says, what happened to you? You know, and he says, those ghostly type things in the school basement got into my head, made me flat out bug shagging crazy. They were stronger than I was, made me see things, do things. How come you never told anyone you saw me? And Buffy's like, I don't know. I guess I was partly hoping you were some kind of a mirage. He says, sorry to disappoint. She's like, not your fault. Spike says, hold this, this torch, will you? And when he says that, I was like, is that like a metaphor, right? Like, because he's been holding a torch for her. <laughs> so, but they pause. And then as soon as Buffy grabs the torch, their fingers touch. And we get a flashback to the rape scene in Seeing oh, Red. I hate finger touch flashbacks. It's like an electric shock, right? You just touch fingers with somebody and suddenly, boom, memories. Like, isn't that the worst? <laughs> I know. That's why I go through my life not touching anything because I don't want memories to just flush through and cause me pain. But you would touch Principal Wood, right? Oh, yeah. Those are memories <laughs> I'd like to make, create and then keep reliving as life goes on. Buffy says, us working together, it's not a way for us to get back together if that's what you want. Back t- back together? <laughs> what? Car, I can't. I can't with this language. Like, back together. You were never together. <laughs> Yeah, Spike is operating off an entirely different set of assumptions here. And I'm, I'm glad that you're riding this train because I wasn't thinking about it from, from that perspective while I was watching the episode. I'm on board. Like, I am I agree with what you're saying. And I, I think I was coming at it from more of the perspective of why are you even here, Spike? Like, just go away. And you're more like, okay, Spike, you're here. And also, you're just trying to, like, revise history here. And it's not working. <laughs> And it's not just like Spike's fault. It's the writers for just like, they're trying to make it seem like they had this romance and it's not the case. He didn't break her heart and leave town like Angel did. He tried to rape her (laughs) after a very abusive situation where she used him for sex. It's just not the same as the way they're simplifying it with X and getting back together. It's It's not what it is. So I don't like the shows doing this. It's really, really irresponsible to me spike says it's not i can't blame you for being skittish and she's like skittish that's not the word i would use you tried to rape me i don't have the words spike says neither do i i can't say sorry i can't use forgive me all i can say is buffy i've changed so why can't he say sorry or forgive me you know what i mean like i know that she's not going to just accept it like that but that's a start don't don't just show up spike don't just show up and like implant yourself back in her life. Ugh. Anyway, Buffy says, I believe you. I just don't know what you've changed into. You came back to town. You make with the big surprises twice. I don't know what your game is, Spike, but I know there's something you're not telling me. And Spike's like, right, there is. But we're not best friends anymore. So too bad for me. I'm not sharing. We've been through things, the end of the world and back. I could be useful because honestly, I've got nothing better to do. Make use of me if you want. And there's nothing here. A bit of slime, mounds of displaced dirt and such. Whatever our beastie is, it's gone. So he starts to walk away. Buffy stands there for a second and she sighs. So (laughs) here's my next little rant. Uh, Again, I hate the show for just pretending like they had this like epic romance last season that went up in flames when he tried to rape her. That didn't happen. That doesn't make sense. What I really want to draw attention to here is when Buffy calls him out. She says, you're playing games. She says, you showed up and surprised me twice. Once in the basement and now in her house. Like the basement was an accident, but in her house, he purposely showed up 
like out of the blue. That could have been the first time she saw him after the attempted rape if she hadn't run into him in the basement. You know what I mean? So stop playing these fucking games, Spike. Like, I like that Buffy called her out, um, that she's not letting him off the hook for anything, even though she let him go on patrol with her. I just think that Spike is, once again, stepping all over Buffy's boundaries. He's inserting himself back into her life and using the excuse that something big is happening. But that's utter bullshit because we know he went to get his soul, claiming that it was for Buffy. And he did that before there was something rising in the Hellmouth. So that's a bullshit excuse. He was going to come back no matter what. And it bothers me, and I love that Buffy called it out, that he keeps just showing up, just surprising her. And and Spike has always been somebody who does these like big dramatic gestures. And this is one of them. And it's not good. It's toxic. I agree with everything you said. <laughs> so ranty um, this episode. <laughs> It's good. I know. I, I like I view for it. I just I don't really have much to add because I think you're covering it really well. What I will add, that's not quite a contradiction, but I want to offer an additional observation about this scene in particular, but also about the episode and the dynamic between Spike and Buffy. I agree with what you said. At the same time, I am enjoying that we've reached a point in Spike and Buffy's relationship as fighters, as action heroes where there's a level of animosity between them and friction and conflict. This is one of my favorite things about a longer-running semi-serialized TV show like Buffy. We see this a lot in Supernatural as well. You know, it's it's not fun when all of the characters, all of the protagonists, and, and you know, like it or not, I think Spike is now in the protagonist camp. <laughs> it's fun when sometimes they don't get along and their priorities don't align, right? And... Seeing that here with Spike and Buffy, right? Spike is like, I'm not happy that I'm around, but I have nothing else to do, so you might as well make use of me. Like, that's fun. And I understand how the baggage between them, along with the choices the writers are making in their presentation of Spike and Buffy's history, can maybe spoil a little bit of that fun for you, Steph. But I do enjoy the fact that it's not immediately copacetic. It's like there is friction, there is conflict. But at the end of the day, Spike is right. She could use his help. He is a useful thing to have around. And I, that that's interesting to me. And I, I don't want in our critique of the poor choices around their personal relationship, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that I think there's some interesting character dynamics going on in this scene and in the rest of the episode i hear you i agree with you um that's also the reason why spike has been a fan favorite why he's been in the series for so long right because he is useful like we kept saying like just stake him buffy even though like he does go like patrols for them right he he does add a little extra strength to the scooby group in terms of supernatural ability so yeah it's good that you brought that up because at the end of the day it does make for good drama so Xander is walking Nancy to her door. They're actually inside the apartment building and walking like in the hallway because uh, he's such a gentleman and they're chatting and it's awkward. Nancy's like, oh, I'd like to give you a call sometime. And Xander initially is like, oh, you know, just to check in, see how things are going. And Nancy's like, no, I'm actually hitting, hitting on you. <laughs> and I, I really liked how forward she was. I thought that was really cute. Um, and Xander's about to say something. Uh, but then 
the tremors start, the rumbling starts, the floor in the hallway has the mole tunnel effect, and Steph has written in her notes, this is not me saying this, <laughs> a giant penis jokes out of the floor. <laughs> Another giant <laughs> penis on this show. You're not wrong. The phallic imagery in the monsters on this show sometimes. Oh my <laughs> I'm god. Never wrong. If I describe something as a penis, I'm correct. <laughs> it's a penis with teeth. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. Um yeah, it's it's different from the penis head monster in <laughs> Double B Palace, right? Or Makita the penis snake. Uh kill fuck Mary Kara. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's the ace equivalent of kill, fuck, marry? Can somebody tell me that? Because you tell me. <laughs> like I don't know, having over for dinner. Yeah, um, <laughs> library visit, <laughs> coffee date, uh, um, dinner. <laughs> I mean, I clearly would marry Makita because he seems like he's solid. <laughs> Does he? He only comes once in a while, anyway. He's only like what every like couple of years he has to show up. Yeah, he's like you know his you know his bag. You know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> and then I would take penis head demon lady on the the library trip or whatever it is that we're we're using as the equivalent of sex because she she likes her her bad food and stuff her junk food and i feel like i can relate to that <laughs> um and then i'd kill the toothy penis demon because nobody wants that no no no, no. that's impractical he'll ruin your floors <laughs> you're so right um so the monster uh is trying to attack them uh but they they go up the world's lowest flight of stairs <laughs> yeah it's like three. it stops the monster in its tracks it's like oh no you're just a little bit out of my reach <laughs> curses <laughs> i guess you've defeated me this time harris my one my one weakness stairs <laughs> heights <laughs> k k k k k why are none of the neighbors like concerned that like if I heard rumbling outside my door, wouldn't you peek? Oh, like, this apartment building is wrecked. Like, like this is a, so this is chaos. Like everyone would have to evacuate because of the structural. Well, like how many the sidewalks in Sunnydale have been torn up? Well, like God forbid there are basement apartments here because I used to live <laughs> like in a Tara's? basement apartment. Yeah, like Tara's sewer room, like. <laughs> like what? what Mark's message board there is going to have a crisis on his hands, an infrastructure <laughs> crisis. Like, no, how like, will all the demons get around if the sewers have been destroyed? Just, just, just it's just, it blows my mind that no one woke up from that. No one, like, what time is it? We don't know. Like, classic. What time is it? No one's like peeks out. They're like, are you okay? Or like, what the fuck? Like, no, no one. Because it's you know what? Now. Everybody knows better except Nancy. <laughs> It's just because it's it's Sunnydale, and you know what? If if anyone actually looked out their window and said that's crazy, we'd be like, "You're crazy." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nancy says, "I don't think I could take any more of this." Neither can we, Nancy. And Xander says, two attacks in the same night." Starting to think it's not a coincidence. No doy, Xander. Boy. Nancy says, "A monster trying to kill me? Just the thing missing to make my life absolutely perfect." Ronnie would love this. Xander, of course, hearing the name of another man is like, who's Ronnie? Mm -hmm. She's And she says it's her psycho ex-boyfriend. Uh, she's been trying to get rid of him for the past few weeks. And she prefers the monster because Ronnie was trouble. Xander says, 
was Ronnie a borrowing money kind of trouble or raising demons kind of trouble? And Nancy says he was an abusive bastard is the catchy headline. Uh, he'd show up even after, you know, that feeling you get when your ex is constantly ruining every part of your life and it just doesn't stop. And you get so tired of feeling helpless that all you can do is just wish that it would stop. And Xander, Xander first off, off agrees with her and, and says he d- does know that feeling. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Xander, you're the one who ruined Anya's do, life. Do, do you? Xander, not only did you ruin Anya's life, you ruined Cordelia's, your last girlfriend before Anya. So what the fuck are you relating to here? What do you yeah, have to relate to Nancy that, about? That line really jumped out at me. I'm like, Xander, like Anya has made it clear she wants nothing to do with you. She is not bothering you in any way. You're the one who can't get over her. And then he, you know, he clues into the whole wish thing. He's like, wish? Yeah, like that's exactly the point I wanted to make. I was like, Xander, in what world? are you relating to Nancy and what she's saying about her abusive ex-boyfriend? But also putting in this little storyline of Nancy having an abusive boyfriend in this episode, like clearly it's there to parallel Spike and Buffy. You know, it's not there to parallel Xander and Anya, even though Xander likes to think it is. It's Spike and Buffy because he also showed up to ruin, you know, Buffy's streak of stability (laughs) that she's made for herself since, since uh, he left town. So I'm not sure. Maybe at the end of the episode, we'll come to a conclusion as to whether or not this metaphor makes sense in some way. But for sure, they're trying to parallel something here with Spike and Buffy. At the bronze, Anya is listening to a woman complain about her ex. And she says, he's spineless, a spineless little pig. Do you know what I wish? And Anya's like, God, do I want to? So the girl um, says, I want more quesadillas. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Since when does the bronze serve quesadillas? They serve baked goods, blooming onions, <laughs> chicken wings. But now we're learning that they've added quesadilla to the menu. This is wild. So Anya's trying to seal the deal with the wish. And then she's like, oh, penis, because the Scoobies are approaching her. I laughed out loud at that, right? Because yeah. like nobody says that, but also like Anya would say that. <laughs> so Anya um, sends the girl away. She's like, I'm working here. Buffy puts a sword on the table. She's like, we noticed. Xander asks her if she turned this nice lady's ex into a giant worm monster. Anya's like, yes. And she's like, you wish it, you dish it. I thought we were clear on this. I didn't think you were going to go all narc on me. She says, I have a quota. The guy had it coming. What's the big? Buffy's like, that thing you created burst through solid pavement and ate her dog. And Anya's like, oh, puppy. <laughs> I love it. So Xander says, he, he gets mad at her. He's like, you, you, that gets your sad noise. People's lives are in danger and you give it up for the Yorkie. And Anya's like, you never understood me, Xander. Nancy asks Xander who Anya is. And Xander's like, that's my ex. And she's like, oh. And Anya's like, hey, nobody's bragging here. <laughs> nice. Spike starts manhandling her and she's like, watch it, Spike. You don't get to go there again. And Spike's like, please, I've already forgotten about our little time together. And Nancy's like, I thought you were Xander's ex-girlfriend. Anya's like, I am. But me and Spike had a thing. Spike's like, didn't last. Nancy's like, but weren't you with Buffy? And Spike's like, briefly. And Buffy says, never serious. And Nancy's like, is there anyone here who hasn't slept together? And Xander and Spike look at each other. (laughs) And they're like, no. So this is what I mean at the beginning of the episode when I said, like, it's it gets pretty soap opery <laughs> and this is my example like just at this point so many people have slept with so many people like uh, did i forget that anya and spike slept together maybe <laughs> so they just throwing it all in our face again like just remember that these people are fucking messy adults so i love this scene 
I feel like it's unlocked another core memory. So that's two in a row for season seven. Last week it was a fantastic Argyle sweater. And this week it's this scene in particular. Season seven is the first season I watched when it was broadcast live. And so I wasn't super familiar with Buffy the Vampire Slayer at that point. I had seen episodes here and there. I had seen the tail end of season six. And I was re-watching uh, the series in syndication as season seven was starting to air. And so when I first watched the scene... I didn't really know who Anya was. I had a very vague idea of who Spike was. Like, I didn't really have a good sense of what was going on in terms of the history of these characters. And when you come to this scene with that incomplete knowledge, the scene reads very differently. Anya is a very different character in this scene from who she was in seasons four and five and six. And Quite honestly, Emma Caulfield is at the height of her power in this scene. The way that she's playing Anya, she is like so confident in what she's doing as a vengeance demon. It's very different from last week when, you know, Halfrick's having that intervention for her. <laughs> but in this scene, she, just the way that she's interacting with Buffy and Xander and Spike, all of her lines her matter-of-factness, I, I love it. I'm here for how she's coming across because I remember watching this scene for the very first time and getting a sense of Anya's character that when I went back and, and saw her when she was first introduced and then when she became more and more human, I was like, oh, like my reading of Anya's character based on season seven was way off in terms of who she is. And I don't mean this as a criticism of the show. I, I think what that shows is how effective the show was when it came to shaping characters like Anya. You know, she's so different here because of what she went through last season and, and how she's decided to make that trauma a part of her and move on and move past from it and try to heal. And we're seeing that in this scene. And it's so powerful. Um, and like you said, the mess, right? Like Buffy is exasperated. She's fed up with Anya. She's fed up with Xander. You know, the banter between uh, Spike and Anya. Like this scene kind of really is a microcosm of the complexity of the Buffy cast at this point in the series. And I really like it. So it actually reminds me a lot of Entropy, right? In season six, uh, the last time these the this these four characters got together to have fights about their relationships, um, and uh, Spike and Anya had freshly slept together at that point. So just reminding everybody that there was this drama last season, and it's carrying on into this season. So. Buffy brings it back to Ronnie. She's like, he wasn't a worm. And Spike's like, he was a sluggish demon. And Anya's like, maybe. Nancy's like, I didn't wish for that. I don't even know what that is. And Spike's like, it's a very large, very nasty natural predator that died during the Crusades. And Anya's like, it's not cheating. I just embellished. And Xander's like, you can unembellish now. And Anya says, bite me, Harris. <laughs> uh, she says, I have rules to work with. Vengeance, demon, codes of conduct. Which you'll never understand because you're also human and she says that but she's looking at buffy when she says it she like says it so oddly but then D spike says i'm not demon just like yourself now you're gonna turn the spell around like a good little vengeance demon or what because anya has now stared at spike and she's looking at him hard and she's like oh my god 
oh my God. And Spike's like, Let, let's go. So he tries to like leave. She grabs him and she says, how did you do it? I can see you. And Buffy's like, what's she talking about? Spike's like, nothing. Let's just go. Shut up. Anya's like, how did you do it? How did you get it? And Spike says, I said, shut up. And he punches her so hard that she flies across the bar. Nancy leaves. Spike keeps punching Anya. Anya forces, like, then punches him and he flies across the bar. She's demoned out and she's like, I'm so going to kick your ass. See? Yeah. She's so cool in this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Spike vamps out and he says, Right, bitch, round and round. But it's Buffy who gets in the way. She punches him and says, You haven't changed, Spike. I really hope there aren't any teenagers at the bronze tonight. Oh, there absolutely are, because this is a teenage bar that these people all of a sudden just decided it was going to be an adult bar. Um, I just want to point out real quick that is there a lover of Spikes that he hasn't abused? <laughs> like, I get that Anya's a demon too, and like she can take his punch. But, like, I thought that was very violent, the way he just, like, punched her well, like that. The way you know? that the mask comes off and Spike is like, I haven't changed after all. I, I, I think that, you know, people might make the argument that he's doing that because he's trying to, like, protect Buffy or something. Because he doesn't, he doesn't want Buffy to know that he has a soul, right? Like, Anya almost gave it away. And so he's like, well, I guess uh, if the choice is between Buffy knowing that I have a soul or me... Uh, pretending that I'm still bad, I'm going to have to pretend that I'm still bad. So I, I could see that argument if, if I want to be more sympathetic. I don't. Um, Spike is acting like a dickhead in this in this scene. And I also just want to point out, the people in the bronze are strangely cool with this super-powered fight going on. And after the, the fight is over, because the fight like just kind of like fizzles out, after yeah. the fight is over, over, they just go back to what they were doing. They're just like, yeah, that that was fine. They're like, I like, was here for the troll massacre of 2001. Like, this is nothing. <laughs> I was here when Sandy died. Remember Sandy? <laughs> they've been they've been watching this for a while. They know. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I will stand by what I said earlier in that I agree with Buffy. Spike, stop playing fucking games. Like, I don't know why he wants to keep his soul a secret at the moment. Like, did he say? Do we do we talk about that? Like, why is he keeping it a secret? So there's a couple of things going on here. First off, to be fair to Spike, I think that it's a shitty thing for Anya to reveal that he got a soul to other people if he hasn't told them already. I know she doesn't know that he hasn't told anybody. And I mean, it is in her character, typical Anya fashion to just blurt things out. So it's not out of character for her. But like him getting a soul is a big deal. And like anything that's a big life event, it, that that is his piece of information to share with people. So I, I do have to sympathize with Spike in the sense that like, Anya was about to reveal something that he'd chosen not to reveal yet to Buffy and the others. And I do respect that part. Now, as far as why he doesn't want to tell Buffy, I just, I don't think he wants her to find out in this way. I think we have to remember, as we see later in the episode, Spike is still quite fragile mentally. I think he's putting on a brave face right now. He thinks that if he can pretend to be stable long enough, he'll find his way back to stability. This is his coping mechanism. So he doesn't want to tell Buffy about his soul just yet. He doesn't want to get ahead of himself. He's just holding on at this point. He himself, this is my theory, and I'm, I'm curious if other people agree with me. I don't know that he fully believes he has his soul. 
I, I think he's still incredulous. He's still like, did this really happen? Like, is this a dream? Because you have to imagine, right? If you have just spent the last century, century and a half, you know, running amok in Europe and, and, and doing all of these terrible things because you didn't have a soul, and then you have your soul blowjobbed back into your body <laughs> by a cave demon, like you do, um, mm -hmm. you know, we saw how terrifying that was for Angel, right? We saw in the flashbacks what that did to him. The man spent like decades wandering the streets of the US eating rats, right? Like he was in a bad way. And Spike so far has spent what, like a month or so in the basement of Sunnydale High? Like this is a really traumatizing experience. And I, I'm not here to defend Spike in any way. I'm not here to be like, oh, poor Spike. But I'm just trying to point out that we, the viewer, were watching this and we're like, this is all, you know, everything is linear and making sense to us and we can we can see what's happening. I think if we were inside Spike's head right now, everything would be a kaleidoscope. And so when we're talking about the whys of Spike's behavior, I think we need to remember that his mental health is not coherent right now. He's having good moments and lucid moments, but he's also going to have breakdowns. Mm -hmm. And so he, his behavior doesn't make a ton of sense because he, things don't make a ton of sense to him. And he's still figuring out what it means for this soul to be back in his body now. Yeah, that's a really good analysis of him. Thank you. I get so muddled because I'm so on Buffy's side all the time that I'm like, Buffy is the one that was assaulted. Buffy is the one that was harmed by him. Therefore, when she demands that he stop playing games, that he tell her what's going on, I want him to do that because she deserves it. You know what I mean? But like you're saying, Spike's just probably not in that space mentally to even begin having that conversation. So anyway, they're just going to punch it out of each other. Okay. And then you're right. He turns into a giant fucking dickhead and um, she starts beating on him and he says, uh, working out some personal issues, are we? And Buffy keeps beating on him and he says, I guess this will be the first contact since you know when up for another round on the balcony then. <sighs> She hits him into the ground. He laughs. He gets up and he's like, right you are, love. I haven't changed. Not a lick. And watching your face trying to figure me out was absolutely delicious. So this is what I mean. Like I just, the fact that he's throwing the rape in her face right now is upsetting. Xander calls for Buffy. He says, Nancy's gone and she's all alone. She's worm bait. So Buffy's like, I'll go find her, stay with Anya and get her to reverse the spell. She leaves and Spike shouts after her. Hey, is that it? A little touchy feely. And then you're off to the bat pools. So Nancy is muttering to herself. She's like, freaks, what a bunch of freaks. Ah, she's on the empty street by herself. This reminds me of, <laughs> remember back in Go Fish, there's our shout out to that episode. Um, Gage, I think his name was, uh, he, he also had a confrontation with Buffy at the bronze and whenever he left, like she's there to protect him, but he like leaves and he's like, ooh, Buffy, ooh, that bitch, ooh, Buffy. And that's when Angel attacks him. <laughs> it's like the same thing. So, <laughs> Nancy's not having a good night. I have a lot of sympathy for Nancy. No, no, I feel Nancy. Just that that's that made me laugh. I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Uh suddenly the worm demon is chasing her underground. Like um, you know, like when moles move under the ground in cartoons, you see like the top. That's what it reminds me of. Uh tremors. 
she runs into the alleyway. She attempts to climb a ladder because this demon's one weakness is height. Uh, but she makes the mistake of stopping climbing to look back, and the rumbling causes the ladder to start you to never break look back. You don't, girls. You Rookie never. Mistake. You just look forward, do with the fades. You know, like dodging in and out, and just keep running. Buffy is on the roof. She's been r- jumping roofs to get to this girl, and Spike is following her behind. Um, Xander, back of the bronze, is asking Anya to reverse the spell. Anya doesn't want to because she is in enough trouble as it is. She's like, Halfrek is all over my case. DeHoffren is not pleased with my work. You don't want to see him angry. Trust me. Xander says, nice friends you got. And Anya says, nice friends I had. Chums, co-workers, bridesmaids. I had the whole package until something fell apart. What could that be, Xander? Ooh. Ooh, and Xander says, are you saying this is my fault? And Anya's like, I'm saying... All I'm saying is none of this happened until you dumped me at the altar. And Xander says, sooner or later, Anya, that excuse stops working. Okay. This is an interesting conversation. This is this is an interesting conversation. Please shut up, Xander. This this is here, I <laughs> I think they both have a point. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie more defending Xander Harris. I never thought I'd see the day. What's happening? Um Here's the thing. Anya is so right for pointing out the fact that you and all your fucking friends abandoned me when I needed you most, right? Should have been the happiest day of my life. Instead, I my entire fucking life imploded. And now I'm this. So that is your fault, Xander. Keep pointing it out. Xander's wrong is always that he doesn't feel bad enough for what he did. Like at this point, he's just like, yeah, that happened. But you know what? I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. That's not fair, Xander, because you caused a lot of pain that day and the consequences are still happening and you need to face those consequences. But I do also, when I say that I think that Xander is kind of right here, is that I just, I like, I think when he says sooner or later, Anya, that excuse stops working. That is true. Eventually, Anya does have to face the consequences of her own choices too, because she chose to become a demon again. She chose to have all these rules, the the demon code of conduct. She chose these things. So she was driven to do it from her pain and from her um, heartbreak. I get it. But I do think Xander has a little truth of a little piece of truth there that eventually he can't be the reason for everything. Okay. I admit that you've made a good point, Steph. I just, I, I, I think for me, it's the fact that Xander is very unwilling to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that he's saying, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I left you at the altar, right? But every time he sees Anya, this comes up and he throws it in her face that she's yeah. not over it, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm over it and look at me. I'm going out there and I'm trying to get dating again. And it's like, <sighs> Anya shouldn't be inside of you. You're right. But it's also like, can Xander leave too? No, I, I, I don't know <laughs> if I want Xander to leave. That would leave Buffy in a tight, tight spot there. But like, I don't know. Xander, we're talking about consequences in this episode, right? Yes. What consequences other than his heart being crushed has Xander felt over leaving Anya at the altar, right? Like yeah. his job is going great. His friends are fine with him being around. They give him a hard time for one episode. And then it's like, I don't think Xander's learned a lesson. Like, I think Xander, yeah. Xander thinks he made a mistake and that sucks and he's moving on. It's like, no, Xander, you made the mistake. Yeah, no, I, why I think Anya's more right in this case, even though Xander had a little bit of truth in there. Um, you're right. Xander does not face consequences for what he did. This is the most consequences he's ever faced for anything. The fact that Anya won't forgive him. He can't, 
handle it. <laughs> you know, um, he, he blatantly pretends like that's not his problem anymore. And that's not fair. So Buffy's swinging like Tarzan. Okay. She, so she found a vine <laughs> and she swung across the alleyway to pick up Nancy as she swings by. They go to the ground. Uh, I don't know why she brought her to the ground. It's not safe there. Go up high on a dumpster or something. Uh, the monster jumps out of the ground in front of Buffy but Spike is caught up and he grabs a pole and he's like, you've had your turn, love. Leave the real violence to the demons. Yeah. And that annoyed me because Spike, Buffy is literally the chosen one. <laughs> she was literally chosen to slay demons. So um, anyway, he says the big bad's back looking for a little death. So he brings the pole up. He stabs the monster just as it turns back into Ronnie. So Spike ends up stabbing the pole right through his body underneath his right shoulder. And Spike's chip goes off. And he's like, I'm sorry. He pulls the, the pole out and Ronnie crashes to the ground. Buffy covers his body. She's like, oh, naked man. She covers it with a blanket that she found. Uh, Spike starts talking to himself. He's like, right, wrong, wrong maneuver. Not hardly helpful. God, please help me. He shouts, help me. And Buffy's like, you're not the one who needs help. He's going into shock. And Buffy uses her new cell phone to call an ambulance as Spike keeps muttering to himself. She's like, whatever you're doing, do it somewhere else. I'm through with this. And he's like, lucky girl, call it quits. Now there's an option. If only it were so easy. And then he's like, what the hell are you screaming about? I can hear you. N no need to shout. And like, he's out of his mind again, right? So he laughs. He says, I get it. Joke's on me. Lots of laughs. Hey, bring the wife and kitties. Come see the show. This is going to be a circus. He kneels down in front of Buffy and says, this is just the beginning, love, a warm-up act. The real headliner's coming, and when the band hits the stage, all of this will come tumbling in death and screaming horror and bloodshed. From beneath you, it devours. From beneath. Poor Rocky. He starts to sob, and then he runs away. Xander approaches with Anya, and Nancy's like, you did this. What are you? She leaves. Xander's like, she's not calling me, because that's his <laughs> biggest concern. Uh, Buffy's like, help is on the way. Look after him. And she runs after Spike. Xander tells Anya that she did the right thing. She's like, tell him that. Xander says, you reverse the spell. That took guts. I know this is, this is bad, but it could be worse. And Anya's like, oh, it will be. So... Buffy falls Spike into a church, and I think if he hadn't said, from beneath you, it devours, I don't think she would have followed him. I think the fact that he said that very specific line, she's like, okay, something's happening. I need to go talk to him. In the church, Spike sneaks up to her, and Kara, he's shirtless, and he's like, didn't work, costume, didn't help, couldn't hide. He throws his blue shirt to the ground. Well, Spike, if this blue shirt is not serving you anymore if it's not fit for purpose do i have some clothing options for you <laughs> if you go to prophecygirls.ca slash store then you can find a wide variety of t-shirts hoodies tank tops whatever you want to clothe yourself with it's there you can have a praise moloch t-shirt you can have a prophecy girls t-shirt um there's so many options Lots of different styles. It's really high quality. <laughs> Steph, you're wearing one right now. I sure am. And it is comfy AF. It's actually the same color, as you said earlier, as Spike's yeah. shirt. So, so even if he, if he still likes that color, right, he can get one in that color. So that's prophecygirls.ca slash store and you support the podcast. <laughs> you know what we actually need, Carl? We need a jingle that like I insert whenever we do these things. We need to create one. Okay, I want a history with Kara jingle before we get a story. So someone jingle. has to come in and sing that for us. I can find a little dee 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 dee, dee merch time. <laughs> All right. 
um, <laughs> we'll put commercial. We're back. So uh, for the rest <laughs> of the scene, y'all have shirtless James Marsters, if that's your thing. So enjoy. There you go. I mean, could it have been shirtless Robin Wood? I guess I can't have everything. So Buffy says, no more mind games, Spike. And Spike's like, no more mind games, no more mind. She looks at the cuts on his heart, above his heart, and she's like, what happened to you? Spike's like, no touching. Am I flesh to you? Feet on flesh, my flesh, nothing else, not a spark? Fine. Flesh then sawed through. Get it hard. Service the girl. He starts undoing his pants, and she stops him. He grabs her by the neck, so she throws him across the church. He's like, right. Girl doesn't want to be serviced because there's no spark. Ain't we a sodding engine? She's like, Spike, have you completely lost your mind? And he's like, well, yes. Where have you been all night? And Buffy's like, did you think you could just come back here and be with me? And Spike's like, first time for everything. She's like, this is all you get. I'm listening. Tell me what happened. He says, I tried to find it. The spark, the missing piece, the fit. That would make me fit because you didn't want. I can't, not with you looking. So he stumbles away and he stands and he's like in the shadows. It's actually, I will say this is a very well done scene i think it's really impactful i think it looks beautiful so so james marsters is like standing in the shadows right now and he says i dreamed of killing you and it's like very eerie the way it comes out so buffy picks up a stake to protect herself right um he says i think they were dreams so weak did you make me weak thinking of you holding myself spilling useless buckets of salt over your ending Angel, he should have warned me. He makes a good show of forgetting, but it's here in me all the time, the spark. And that mention of Angel gets Buffy's brain ticking and she puts it together. She's coming to the realization of what this means. And Spike says, I wanted to give you what you deserve and I got it. They put the spark in me and now all it does is burn. So he's standing now behind Buffy. It's like an interesting shot where he's like out of focus and she's in focus. And she says, your soul. And he says, it's a bit worse for lack of use. Buffy's like, you got your soul back. How? Spike says, you wanted it, right? It's what you wanted, right? And he says that to something else. He says the first one to Buffy, the next one to something else. He says, now everyone is here talking, everything I did, everyone, I, and him, and it, and the other. The thing beneath you, it's here too. Everybody. They all just tell me to go to hell. Buffy's like, why would you do this? And Spike says, Buffy, shame on you. Why does a man do what he must? For her to be hers, to be the kind of man who would never, to be a kind of man. And she uh, will look on him and for, with forgiveness and everybody will forgive and love and he will be loved. Buffy starts to cry. Spike says everything's okay. He leans his body against a cross that's at the front of the church and it starts to burn him, like sizzle him. And he says, can we rest now, Buffy? And we fade to black. There's a lot of imagery and symbolism going on here, and I know you talked about a little bit of it, but this is this is the part where I'm like, becoming Buffy, take it away. <laughs> um, well, we, well, I think we're mostly just going to shit on Spike right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you said at the start of this recap, how did this become the Spike show? Like, for this to be the the final scene, for the shot to be a shot of Spike, for this to be the lowest Spike scene and episode. Also, this episode feels short. Like, it's a normal length episode, but it has half the number of scenes that we normally would have, right? This is the 13th scene, according to your notes. And we've only really been recording for just under an hour and a half now. And I don't know, it, it went by really fast. This conclusion sequence inside this church is Spike mumbles to himself and Buffy realizes he has a soul. 
like I get it. Like I get you got to get them to that revolution somehow, and it's gonna be a big deal, and it's this whole emotional thing for Buffy. But it's like, I just I'm having trouble caring. <laughs> Word. <laughs> okay, but like this all comes. To- I've already ranted about this basically. Like earlier, Spike, you are inserting yourself in Buffy's life unwantedly. You didn't stop and think for one second that maybe Buffy doesn't want you there. Like Willow is doing all the work, right? Willow's doing the work and figuring out like where she's needed, how badly and how that'll affect the people around her when she gets there. Spike's not doing that work. And thanks Spike for coming into town and making Buffy's life a whole lot worse, right? Like that's what he's doing. She's crying here. And I think she's crying because I think she's overwhelmed. I think she's literally like, like, can I just be fucking free? Like, what does this mean? I think he's adding weight to her shoulders by telling her this, by coming back into her life, saying he did it for her. Because now we know that Buffy likes to take responsibility for things. And like, I just know she's going to want to babysit this guy. She's going to want to do that. And that's not fair to her. I am tired of this show asking Buffy to fix broken men. They started with Angel, and that's not me, you know, saying negative stuff about Angel, right? But that was her role in season three was she had to help Angel back into his Yeah, sanity. it's true. And then in season four, right, poor Riley wasn't man enough, you know? And, and Buffy, Buffy needed to fix him, especially in season five after everything he went through, right? And, and the fact that she couldn't. She failed at fixing him. That's why he had to leave so that Sam could fix him, right? Like, and and then season six and season seven, now it's Buffy, you got to fix Spike. Surprise, Buffy, Spike is broken down. It's his turn to be fixed by you. And it's like, that's not Buffy's job. That's not any woman's job. It's nobody's job to fix broken people of any gender, right? But here we have a situation that I think so many women find themselves in, which is you end up in a relationship or a situationship or even a friendship. And this can happen between two women. But in our society, we infantilize men and we too often tell them to expect that the women in their lives will take care of them and will act like mother figures to them, right? Um, That seems to be the, the two roles that women can have in a man's life. It's the Madonna whore complex all over again. You're either his mother or he's fucking you. And that's what's going on here is is Spike wants somebody who like, if he can't fuck Buffy, right? He's like, well, you're going to be my new mom. And I'm tired of it. Buffy deserves her own story and her own journey. And we got that for a tiny, tiny moment in season four and season five, where she was out of high school and she was trying to figure out what is my life like if I'm you know, the Slayer plus a student or something else. And she she was lost as a result, but she was getting to figure herself out. And that was really exciting. And then her mom died. And, you know, that, you know, like so many people in real life that threw her off track and that's fine. And then there was the whole thing with Spike in season six. And as much as we hate it, like I get what the writers were doing, you know, the bad boy and your life is spiraling out of control and you hold on to whatever's bringing you some kind of solace. I get that. So here we are, season seven, the last season of the show. 
what do the writers do? The writers hand Spike to Buffy on a plate and they say, deal with this. Take care of this guy. I just really wish that weren't happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I like this is why at the beginning of the episode I was just like, yes, yes, yes. Because I like what you said, Cara. Like it's you're finding it hard to care. Like, does James Marshers put out a great performance here? Yeah, he does. Is Spike clearly like earlier he was all bravado. He was pretending that he doesn't feel bad about what happened, but clearly it's showing here that he's remorseful in some way, that he's willing to burn his entire body up to stop feeling the pain that's inside him, not just for what Buffy, uh, what he did to Buffy, I'm sure, but you know, just the way Angel had to struggle with all the people that he killed, all the thing, the hurt that he caused. Uh, Spike's going through that right now. So there is room to be sympathetic toward him. But this is like the theme with Spike since we started talking about him this way since season five. Yeah, you could have sympathy for him, but I don't have room because at the end of the day, he's still hurting Buffy. He's not adding positivity to her life. Buffy, as you said, Kara, she's she struggles. She has her struggles in trying to um, go through life and be an adult. But like, do you notice in the last episode, we were praising her for having her shit together finally. Like she said at the end of the last season, she like she wants to show Dawn the world. She wants to be better for her. And she's doing it. She has a job. She has a new like, you know, part-time job at the school. She's getting Dawn to school on time. Dawn's really happy. Yeah. They have a great relationship. So at the end of the day, Spike, like, yeah, you're going through stuff, but why is it Buffy's problem? Why are we still hurting Buffy with this man? And then on top of that, we are getting so much screen time. Again, like Willow was robbed this episode. Can we also just once again bring up that we have yet to hear from Buffy about how the abuse has changed her, how, how the attempted rape has played over on her psyche over the last couple months, right? Has she put it behind her? Even like a little sentence about that, right? Like clearly this guy coming back into her life this episode should have some sort of impact on her other than her getting pissed and punching him out and being busy with Nancy. We don't get that from her. And I think that's really, really wrong. Like why are we not hearing from her? That's a great point too. Who's your hero of this episode? Donna the Dead. Donna Summers. That's a great choice. My hero is Nancy. You know, she really got thrown into it in this episode. She has been put through the ringer. I think she held up remarkably well. We'll forgive her momentary lapse of hitting on Xander because she doesn't. I think she finally, by the end of the episode, got a sense of his history and was like, I'm not going there. Wow, no. yeah. But, you know, shout out to Nancy for, for getting through this all. Can you know what, Cara? Shout out to Ladders and Stairs. <laughs> They're true heroes. <laughs> I, I mean, they used to also stop the Daleks. Not so much these days. But yeah, you're right. Ladders and Stairs are good inventions. Good job on us for inventing if, those. If you want to beat a sluggish demon <laughs> slug like off. a slug off demon that is the key that you need wow well that is beneath you oh i will add i actually think that it's um a really well-named episode now that we've gone through it because remember buffy's classic line in fool for love you're beneath me so if beneath you, you know, they're referring to the monster, they're referring to the, the rumbling and the fact that something beneath them is going to devour them eventually. But I mean, could that also be a call out to that dynamic between Buffy and Spike where she's, she said to him, you're beneath me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, we have one hot stake today from Melissa, who wants to talk to us about addiction. Melissa says, so I know there was a lot of conversation about magics being a stand-in for addiction this season, by, by which they mean season six. Uh, and that's absolutely accurate, right down to how Rack and guys like him take advantage of the vulnerability of a lot of women and people all along the gender spectrum. Uh, and that's why a lot of people who experience addiction have also experienced abuse and trauma. I agree with you both that everyone's focused on just not using magics uh, and Willow would be all better is a huge misconception when it comes to recovery from addiction. As a very famous Canadian psychologist named Bruce Alexander once said after his Rat Park study, a video summary is on YouTube and it's fascinating, uh, and I wonder if the rats that uh, Bruce Alexander used were from rat prison staff. Exactly. Rat rehab. Um, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. It's connection. Willow needed to acknowledge, address, and heal the emotional wounds that led to her magic's addiction in the first place, like feeling powerless, wanting shortcuts in life, and controlling the emotions and behaviors of the people around her, etc. Without that, she's not actually changing anything in her life other than not using magic. This is where a lot of people substitute another addiction for their primary one. And I, I think, Steph, you and I were making that point in Willow on Trial. And mm -hmm. uh, obviously, um, that just dropped uh, after Melissa sent in this hot stake. Um, mm -hmm. But we were talking about how Willow's magics was like, well, well, Tara subbed in for the magics, and then the magics subbed back in for Tara, and it was very messy. <laughs> yeah. And Melissa goes on to say, Willow never really addressed what she did to Tara by taking away her agency and consent. All that being said, even if Willow was working on her emotional health and building coping strategies outside of magic, a huge and traumatic loss like Tara's murder could still be a catalyst for relapse. While the show did a good job initially in highlighting Willow's pain and grief, the way it turned to focus on vengeance and Willow seemingly just enjoying the power, I think does a disservice to how deep and powerful grief like that can be. Yes, the magics made her Dark Willow, but the pain, the utter devastation of a loss like that, it's so much more nuanced than just vengeance and power. If the show was airing now, I would have loved to see a lot more focus on anger as a natural grief response, and how everything Willow was doing was about the pain in her life that she never felt powerful enough to address, and how Tara's death opened the floodgates for all that pain. It was overwhelming, and she turned to her addiction to cope with it and feel like she could have some form of power and control back in her life. In that way, hopefully there would be less shaming of Willow's use of magics and more focus on healing. Maybe that's just my fantasy. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that perspective, Melissa. Um, yeah, I, th I think we covered some of that in Willow on Trial, but also I, I like that you kind of laid that all out for us in terms of what we got at the end of season six had a lot of fun things about it, right? Willow going bad, Dark Willow, like it's a fun thing. She's badass and she's evil and it, it, it was a lot of fun. But Steph, I think you and I also heavily criticized the last several episodes of the season for being a little bit of a letdown and, and a missed opportunity. And I agree with several of the reasons Melissa gives for that. 
Yeah, and you are, of course, referring to the Suck Job trilogy at the end of season six. I am, yes, the Suck yes, Job trilogy. Of course. Um, also, I think what Melissa said here at the very end about, you know, less shaming of Willow's use of magics and more focus on her healing, that's basically what you and I are saying now in this episode, right? Like, like you spent an entire season on this addiction, yet we skip over the healing. We skip over her work that she puts in to become a better person or to to get through it, right? Which I think would have been more beneficial than watching her spiral down. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa, you say it's your fantasy. It's my fantasy too. Oh, okay. Well, so far, um, episode one of season seven, banger episode, loved it so much. Episode two, a little bit more challenging, but there yeah. were highlights, right? You got more FaceTime with Principal Wood. Mm. I, like, I don't think it was a bad episode. You know, I don't. No. I just, we had a lot to say no, about I it. Agree. That's it. Well, I think we, I think we had a fair amount to say about it. I just, I think a lot of it was us, unfortunately, having to criticize like Spike and what the writer's choices were in this episode. Um, I hope it was still fun for you listeners. I still had fun talking to you, Steph. I am so curious to see what goes on in the next couple of episodes, especially because it looks like we're heading to Willow coming back. Yes. Uh, and I'm really curious to see what we think of her first interactions with the Scoobies when she's back. I want to predict, and and I'm I genuinely don't remember this part of the season, right? It's been a couple of years. Who do you think among the Scoobies is going to be the hardest on Willow at at first? Do you think it's going to be Dawn? Because I think it's going to be Dawn. Yeah, I can see Dawn holding a grudge for sure. Interesting. One thing I will add that we didn't talk about in this episode: I think the last two episodes have done a really good job at building the larger storyline of the season, right? They're, they're getting a couple good points here across that the, the Hellmouth is being perky, as Buffy said. Something's rising. <laughs> From beneath you, it will devour. We've got a little theme song going on here. Buffy joining the high school to watch over things. Like, I think they're setting up things pretty well. It's just in the meantime, some of these character arcs or lack thereof are distracting me from the fact that like you know yes. what they're building something here well and i mean i guess if we're looking at it from the point of view of the writers dug themselves into a hole with season six right like we were very harsh on some of the choices the writers made in season six with willow and spike and all these characters i suppose we have to grant them a little bit of grace in that they they might be trying to fix their mistakes here maybe maybe we're in it and we'll eventually get out of it as they dig themselves out of this hole let's we'll find, find out, out. <laughs> Um, thank you very much to all of our supporters on Buy Me a Coffee, especially our chosen ones Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, Joshua, Reese, Susanna, Jasmine, Christy, and Kimmy. Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, Amy, Rochelle, and Laura. Praise Moloch, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. You can also visit prophecygirls.ca slash store to view all of our merch and rep the podcast on a sweatshirt, mug, sticker, or more. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at 
Prophecy Girls podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch. See you next week. 